Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys about Kenneth Parks. So pour yourself some fire department coffee, and let's dive in. preface this with telling you guys the reason that I looked into this case is I have been on a binge watching of Criminal Minds episodes recently and I watched an episode that I've seen many times and as I watched it I realized how horrifying it is and then I wondered if it was something that had happened in real life and it is so I'm going to present a case to you and you guys I'll tell you at the end which episode of Criminal Minds it is, in case you want to go watch that. May 24th of 1987, 24-year-old Kenneth Parks was at his house with his wife, and they were both sleeping. Around 4.45 in the morning, he arrives at the police station covered in blood and screaming, quote, I just killed someone with my bare hands. Oh, my God. I just killed someone. I've killed two people. My God. I've killed two people with my hands. I just killed two people. And he just kind of keeps going on and on and on and on. And then he says, quote, I've just killed my mother and father-in-law. I stabbed and beat them to death. It's all my fault, end quote. And the police were obviously like, um, what is happening? (laughs) Well, I mean, at least this is one of those cases that you never find out who did it. (laughs) True, true. We pretty quickly Um, have a suspect. (laughs) I would agree. But do we even know if we have victims at the moment? Well, you usually start with the suspect and work your way back, right? Okay. Yes. Yes. My bad. (laughs) So the police said that when he got there, he seemed distressed. He was shaking, but he didn't appear to be in any pain. But when they looked at him, they realized that in both of his hands, he had cut tendons. I'll be honest. I've never experienced that in my life. I can only imagine that that would be extremely painful. So police head over to the house of Kenneth's in-laws and there they find Barbara and Dennis Woods. Barbara was found in a room about five to six feet away from the bedroom. She had been stabbed four times in the chest, shoulder and heart. She had sustained blunt force injuries to her nose, eye, and skull that caused a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And Dennis was unconscious. He had been choked and stabbed, but his wounds were not nearly as bad as what Barbara had suffered. And the teenage daughters were up in their bedrooms and had not woken up during the attack. So I heard it. I didn't register it until you said it again. These were his in-laws? Yes, so he went to their of his house. Wife. Okay. Where was yes. she? She was sleeping at their house. So why? Well, that's what I'm going to get into. And there's some controversy with this. So police obviously now know they have victims. And they have a they have a suspect. A pretty, pretty obvious suspect. So they ask Kenneth. You know, they're like, how'd you do it? What happened? Tell us about it. And he's like, I don't. No, he said, I, I was sleepwalking throughout this murder. So I wondered if this was the episode it was going to be. Are you talking about the Mr. Scratch ones? 
This one's called In the Dark, and it is season 12, episode 17. So, Abby, the description says, The BAU suspects that two unsubs are operating at the same time when victims killed in different ways are found in the same city. Do you not remember this one? I would have to see it, but the that description makes me think of a different episode where <laughs> it's like that same concept, there but they was, actually know each other. There was the Frankie Muniz one. Yeah, he had no idea. He was like a comic book writer. Yes. This guy actually killed people during the day and then also was killing at night. And didn't remember doing it? Correct. So with this story, um, as I had said, he had gone to bed with his wife at his home. And the next thing he remembers is waking up at 445. Now... This story that he has where he was sleepwalking includes him sleep driving 14 miles to his in-law's home and then sleep murdering his mother-in-law and sleep attacking his father-in-law. So does the father-in-law survive? Yeah, the father-in-law ended up surviving and recovering from all of his wounds. What did he say about it? He said that he never saw the person that attacked him. Okay. So I'm assuming it, he came from behind. From what was kind of gathered, based on the snippets that Kenneth claimed to have remembered and what the police could find, Kenneth drove the 14 miles, arrived at his in-law's home, grabbed a tire iron from the trunk of his car, used his own personal key to enter the home, and then went straight to the bedroom, choked his father-in-law unconscious, and then started beating his mother-in-law with the tire iron and a kitchen knife. And then he stabbed his father-in-law. So it seems like in this moment, the aggression was really targeted towards Barbara. And then, like I had mentioned, he he went up to the teenage daughter's bedroom, but he didn't go in. He just stood there and then ran down and left and drove to the police station. I don't want to get ahead of the story too much, but it's a very contradictory wave of actions you know what i mean like typically if you go and murder somebody you don't just go straight to the police station and turn yourself in and and that's that's something that comes on later in like comes out later during the trial is they discuss that they're like you know he murdered them but then immediately went to the police station so it was either immediate remorse or he really was sleepwalking and sleep driving scientifically can that actually happen we're gonna get into that so let's talk about the trial the defense attorney said that on the night of the killing kenneth had quote plunged into a deep deep sleep and his next memory is seeing his mother-in-law's face end quote and then the defense attorney said that at that point kenneth regained consciousness realized that he was at this house and immediately left the house got in his car and drove to the, the closest police station The staff sergeant said that Kenneth had said he had no idea how he had even gotten to his in-laws home in the first place. And he said that he had no reason to harm them. So he had no idea why he'd even attacked them. That was going to be my next question was if there was any history of issues, marital issues or issues with the in-laws or anything like that. So no issues with the in-laws. There was some like pressure coming like in the home not necessarily with the marriage but kenneth's wife i'm assuming ex-wife by this point she becomes ex-wife later on but i don't know if it was at this point her name was karen and she testified that 
Kenneth had a lot of gambling debts and he was under pressure for that. So apparently the summer before he had repeatedly placed bets on horse races and they had a lot of financial problems and he ended up stealing $32,000 from his employer in order to continue to pay more bets. So the company ended up finding out about the theft in March of 1987 and he ended up getting fired and then obviously went through court. There was a whole bunch of stuff there. So that was in March and then the murder occurred in May. So they think that that stress could have been causing like lack of sleep and could have led to him sleepwalking. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I, I do have another question. Um, was the wife the benefactor of her parents? I actually do not know that. Because if there's money issues, maybe he was going to kill them so they could get the money and then like had that instant remorse like, oof. Yeah, so that could have been it. What, and they say in all the articles I was finding, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different conversation about this and controversy. But one of the articles I read said that the experts, so whoever that was, described his actions as a couple different things. So they basically said that Kenneth had had plans to go over and fix his in-law's furnace. And so he had known the route. He was very familiar with it. I mean, there's so many routes that I always say, like, I could drive to with my eyes closed, you know, just because I've driven them so many times. Obviously, never going to try it. But they said that because of that, and then he was had all this anxiety and all this worry and everything. So he was just really restless. And he had an upcoming trial. So they were like, because of all this, it was probably just a lot of stress. And so potentially in his sleep he decided oh i need to go fix my in-laws furnace and then got up and drove to the house and then somehow was startled by the fact that they are in the home and then attacked them both i am not nearly qualified enough to have a good opinion on this but it sounds like it sounds like too far of a stretch but i don't know i've never i've only met a couple people that sleepwalk and it's they literally just get up and like walk i know that some people it it varies i know it does i just that seems like a lot i i i would agree i will say that so it's uh, i mean i guess if there's experts testifying it's possible yeah and i'm gonna go more into the science of it in a second once i get through kind of all the trial stuff we'll get there now one thing that i want to point out is the defense attorney said that Kenneth had a history of sleepwalking. And so they're like, can you acquit him of this murder? Because he was in a sleeping state. And so he he didn't do this on purpose. But his wife, Karen, testifies and says, I've never seen him sleepwalk before. He has talked in his sleep and is extremely difficult to wake up in the like wake up at any point in time. But I've never seen him sleepwalk. 
which is interesting to me. I agree. If the wife has never experienced it, um, how long have they been together? I knew you were going to ask me that. I don't have that answer either. I mean, you just think that's something you would have noticed at some point, but maybe it's one of those things that it only comes up every so often. And because he was so stressed, it was new. I don't, I don't know. I mean, so they were, he was 24. So in theory, they wouldn't have been married more than six years if they'd gotten married right at 18. But still, that's a long time. Like if you're sleeping next to that person every night, you think you'd see them sleepwalk or like recognize it. He did go through a lot of sleep tests and psychological tests. There was an EEG that he had done during his sleep and it showed abnormal brain activity during his deep sleep. And it also showed periods of partial awakeness, which is indicative of parasomnia, which I'm going to explain in a second. But basically they said that you can't fake your own EEG results. So, and the fact that he was not in pain when he arrived at the police station with severed tendons, he was most likely sleepwalking is what, the experts had concluded so parasomnia is a very fancy word for just any sort of sleeping disorder that you can have or any sort of thing that can occur while you're sleeping so nightmares night terror sleepwalking sleep talking sleep paralysis and many other things that i'm not even gonna go into those were just the most common that i thought people would know about either way They also pointed out that Kenneth had a really good relationship with his in-laws, and so he had no reason to kill them. Apparently, when he first met their daughter, she was a runaway, and so he had ended up convincing her to return home and be with her family, and they really appreciated him for that. But they said, but it was testified that after he lost his job, Kenneth stopped going to his in-law's house. He had been charged with fraud, and so at the time, he was out on bail and awaiting the trial. And his wife was just trying to support him as much as possible. And she was really trying to convince him to go and seek some sort of help, which makes sense. And he ended up arranging to join Gamblers Anonymous. But on the day that he committed the murder, he was supposed to go to a barbecue at his in-law's house later that day and tell them about his gambling debt and job loss and all of that information. So that was another stressor that they said could have affected this is... He knew he was supposed to be going there for a barbecue later, so maybe he decided to drive there early for one reason or another. Either way, the jury deliberated for nine hours, and after nine hours, they only charged him with attempted murder of his father-in-law and charged with first-degree murder, but he was acquitted for the first-degree murder because they said that he did not make that choice consciously. He ended up spending a year in jail on the murder charge, but they ended up appealing it and he was released from prison. So to answer your question about sleepwalking and murder, there is a term for this and it is called homicidal sleepwalking. (laughs) Really hitting it on the nose there. (laughs) They are. But to me, I was like, there's not actually a term for this. This can't be a real thing. It is. And... There was a, I think there's like 36 documented cases where people have claimed the homicidal sleepwalking defense and then gotten away with the murder. Well, isn't that just the most horrifying thing in the world? Yes. Thank you. I, mean, I was like, anybody who's stressed out could just be like a murdering. I know. Well, and it's like, think about all the people that like you've slept in the same house with. 
like you've gone to parties and slept in a house with people or slept beside somebody or been at camp and slept near all these people. Like any one of them could have just gotten up in their sleep and just started murdering. Thank you, by the way, for having us record this when I'm staying in an inn with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> You're welcome. I feel like I need to put something in front of my door now. So there was actually a study done in France in 2013, and they studied 140 sleepwalkers. And out of that, 58% of them displayed some sort of violent behavior during their sleep. 58%. It's a lot higher than you'd expect. Yeah. But wait, it gets worse. 31% of that were violent incidents towards themselves, and 46 of them were violent incidents towards the person sleeping next to them. So, guys, what I'm really trying to say here is you really need to make sure that you know the person sleeping next to you. <laughs> and if they yeah, sleepwalk, maybe chain them. them. <laughs> chain them? <laughs> chain them to the bed so they can't kill you. <laughs> maybe just never sleep with anybody ever again. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this homicidal sleepwalking defense has been used, like I said, like 36 or something times where it's actually ended with somebody being acquitted. The first one that occurred was by the name of Albert Terrell. And this was in 1846. And he slit the throat of a prostitute, set fire to the brothel, and then took off to New Orleans. And he, he was acquitted of the crime. They're like, no, he did it while he was sleeping. So he didn't really do it. Well, and back then, you definitely couldn't scientifically research that. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. But that was he the just, first case. He probably just had um, good ties and a bomb-ass lawyer. Yeah. So one thing that I want to talk about, too, is in 2006, Kenneth Parks started running for school trustee in Durham. So by the time 2006 rolled around, he ended up having a new wife and six children with said new wife. So my next question is, yes, like, how do you treat that? Is there something you can do? Because I feel like if you're prone to homicidally sleepwalking, you probably shouldn't be left to just sleep. <laughs> Hang on. Okay. Real quick, before we go into that, I was going to say a quote about him running for school trustee because I wanted to address that. Did you, do you think that he should be a school trustee at this point? I don't. I mean, in theory, he's not going to be... If the issue is that he literally was sleeping, then I guess I can see why they would say that's not an issue. I don't know. I feel like if you have... Gosh, because if he was acquitted, it probably is like maybe taken away from his record. Yeah. So he said in regards to this, because there was a lot of controversy, and I'll be honest, this was in 2006. I could not find whether or not he won and was appointed school trustee or not. But he said, quote... The issues that have been brought up were 20 years ago, and yes, they are a matter of public record. Now, 20 years later, I am just a concerned parent that is trying to make sure the children of our community get the best education possible. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't know, I guess. I kind of go back and forth. But we'll go into your question now about 
what do they do? Because I saw that when I was reading one of the Reddit posts. And they're like, so, or maybe it was a comment on a YouTube video. And they're like, what do you, how do you make sure that he just doesn't sleep or murder mm-hmm. his sleep? Like, how do you have control over that? Also, how do you specifically determine if somebody strictly killed somebody out of sleeping? Like, I know what defense I'm using. Not that I've murdered anybody, just saying that, well, it, like, the thing that gets me is, like, you said 36 or 37 times people have been, like, not charged because of it, which means you have quite a large pool of people and jury members who are believing the science that's being shown to them. And I don't know that, it, for me at least, if there's that many I don't know how much you can discount it. So then the question is, if you truly believe that he was homicidal sleepwalking or whatever, should he be treated differently because he has this, like, illness, I guess? That's a hard one. It is really hard. Like, and that's why I wanted to do this one, because I was like, it'll give us something, like, we can discuss this. I mean, this is something that we've never talked about before. Like, we've always seen murder. I mean, we typically see murder as murder, you know? And I don't know how I see this one. I think that it's a good defense to at least give a shot. Like, why not use this defense every so often or, right? Yeah, but also, so did you find what they do to counteract that? Is there like a pill or medicine or any type of... I didn't find anything. And I don't know if there's a way that they, like... Because when you get in the deep sleep, I, I think you sleepwalk... When you're partially, like, not when you're in your REM sleep, right? Sleepwalking occurs during non-REM sleep. So, I would say sleeping pill is not going to be what you want, because that's going to put you in a deep sleep, typically. No, it'd be a, like, kind of an opposite type thing, where yeah. it doesn't allow you to go past that REM cycle. So, I don't know if there's a specific cure for, like, homicidal sleepwalking, but there are different treatments that you can do for sleepwalking. There are different medications that you can take. It looks like some antidepressants can help with that. And then they said, like, counseling, therapy, self-hypnosis. So, there are some different things that it looks like you can kind of do in order to prevent sleepwalking. And in theory, if the sleepwalking is what's really causing the murderous tendency, then you should be able to never murder again i want to know if he still sleepwalks and obviously they don't just like publish that knowledge he hasn't come out and been like i sleepwalk still watch out yeah i just think and i said this to erica i think not recording just a little bit ago if if that truly is what happened is that he was sleepwalking like you would have to feel just a tremendous amount of guilt and i would literally have someone like lock me in a room every night well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, do you handcuff yourself to the bed to not be able to get up? Do you sleep in a specific facility? Do you have your own personal sleeping room where it's locked on the outside? Which you also said when we weren't recording, that's like a huge fire hazard. But, but also... Better than if, murdering innocent if, people. Yeah, I was gonna say, if not, then it's a murderous hazard. So... <laughs> I don't know what's the better option. So let us know your guys' thoughts. Do you guys think that he should have been acquitted of the murder? Do you think he should have been charged and actually served time? Do you guys sleepwalk? Are you <laughs> now going to be afraid of sleeping next to people? I mean, these are the questions that we want to know. Because have you guys heard of this? And you can watch the Criminal Minds episode. It sounds like there's multiple. There's one with Frankie Muniz in it. I don't know what episode that is. That's earlier you can, on. You can skip that one. It's not good. <laughs> 
well no offense to frankie muniz i love him but the episode's just not one of the better ones the yeah. um, well, Mr. Scratch ones, it's a little different. It's not sleepwalking, but it's a dissociative state, and they're very good. But anyways, check out season 12 of Criminal Minds. Check out all the episodes of Criminal Minds. This is not an ad. We just really like the show. Anyways, yeah, just let us know your guys' thoughts. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.